by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Hello, welcome to N17 Women, the podcast for all things Tottenham Hotspur's women's team. My name's Rachel and I'm here with Caroline. Hi Caroline, how's it going? Hey Rachel, doing good. Um, Glad to finally get to talk about another game after such a long international break. Yeah, it's good to be back, isn't it? Sean, Sean's with me as well. How are you, Sean? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Uh, had a busy international break, but good to get back to the football and to uh, talk about when to finally get to experience our new home. Yeah, exactly. Lots of us, lots for us to talk about. Um, no Abby with us today. She was meant to be here, but she's had life interrupting. And so she will come with more to say about, I'm sure, this game as well as next um, week's game in our next podcast. Um, we're recording this on uh, Thursday and we've just heard that the Prime Minister of the UK has resigned. So farewell, Liz Truss. Uh, it's been a busy day. She lasted uh, much less long than our podcast has. So I feel like that's a sign that we're doing well or a sign that she's doing very badly. Um, by the time we record our next one, we may have another prime minister to talk about. So that's fun. Um, but let's go back to the football. Uh, on Sunday, we had our first game at Brisbane Road, which is the home of Leighton Orient and now of Spurs women. We were playing Liverpool, who are one of only a few teams who've actually won the WSL, but who more recently were relegated and only achieved a promotion back to the top flight last season. We did actually play them last season and in the Conti Cup, where we beat them 1-0 at home. And with a little bit of symmetry, that's what happened again this time so Spurs got the first goal in the 11th minute well the first and only goal the stadium announcer initially attributed it to Celine Bizet but it was later put down the Sanima Fahi own goal for the whole of the first half Spurs continued to press forward with 11 shots to Liverpool zero and both Ash and Drew hit the woodwork in the second half Liverpool were probably the stronger team with 10 shots to Spurs eight but Spurs still had some chances um as I said though It finished 1-0. There were no more goals. But on the upside, Spurs ended their first game at Brisbane Road with a win. And as the club and other people have announced, that means we have a 100% home win rate, which long may it last. So lots to talk about. Um, Let's start with the new stadium. For both me and Sean, Sunday was the first day that we got to experience it as season ticket holders, as Spurs fans, and to see what Brisbane Road would look like for a Spurs women's game. So Sean, how did you think the, uh, what did you make of the ground, of the atmosphere, everything? Um, Well, it's a very different um, stadium in terms of location and things from the Hive, you know, much more within its community uh so walk up the high road so plenty of options for pre-match and post-match entertainment uh, and there's a little park next to the ground to go and sit in when you like me have got there at the early at the crack of dawn to get your season ticket um and you can't get into the ground yet uh so uh you know facilities around a nice stadium um in and amongst the community a uh, nice pub that we went to beforehand and and Met up with some other fans. That was nice. Just literally a couple of minutes walk from where we needed to be at the stadium. So good. And then, uh, yeah, season ticket holders, we get to go in through the posh entrance and <laughs> don't have turnstiles and have people checking our bags in a kind of cursory kind of a, yeah, no, that's fine kind of a way. Um, uh, and up into our own little bar area and then into the seats. Um, and the pitches, you know, uh, well, it's difficult to say early on in the season, uh, it had been played on the day before, I think, by Leighton Orient. So was showing a little bit signs of wear. Um, but I think hopefully we'll, we'll be more resilient than the, the hive pitch was as the season goes on. It's a nice stadium. It's a, it's a good size stadium. We've got lots of work to do to fill it. Yeah. So the attendance was 2,105. Um, we had most of one stand filled, uh, but the other three stands were not yet filled. So there's definitely some work for the club to do and for, I guess, us as fans to do to get more people along so that that is more full. Um, Caroline, what did it look like on TV? Yeah, it was 
maybe just a little jarring seeing all the red seats. Uh, I had to keep reminding myself <laughs> this was our home game and not Liverpool's. <laughs> and it was kind of a bummer not to be able to see the fans, uh, you know, for, for most of the camera views. We were mostly seeing the empty stand in front of us. But uh, yeah, the Spurs play experience of watching the game was really nice, actually. I thought the commentary was a step above what we usually get for the FA player. So that was nice. And, you know, it seems like the camera angles in this stadium are a little bit better than they were at the Hive too. So I feel like we got a much better view of the action. Yeah, well, that's good for all our um, Spurs fans overseas who are relying on TV watching. Um, But the point about the red seats, I think is really interesting, something that other people have brought up. Somebody commented that when we had when there was COVID and Spurs were playing to empty stadiums, they were covering all of their seats with flags. I'm wondering what happened to all those flags and can we get them down to Brisbane Road so that we don't have to see the red seats every game and it feels a bit more like a Spurs stadium? Well, the, uh, technical, the technical term for those is seat kills. Um, and they are just basically big PVC sheets. Um, and we had some of them at the Hive um, last season as well. Um, so I was kind of expecting that at least those would be brought down and, utilized in some way for surely seats are seats and they can fit over some of the seats if not all so I was a bit disappointed that they weren't brought down and I definitely think that needs to be changed and they need to be brought down at least some of the seats then will be hidden um and I also think the outside of the stadium at least the hive they tried to put up little flags those little kind of um person height flags um occasionally but there was nothing outside Brisbane Road to, to demonstrate to everybody passing by that it was Spurs that were playing there, which I think, again, was a real shame. But hopefully, again, those are things that are in the pipeline and are just taking a little bit longer than than we would like to, to arrive. And the merch van wasn't there either, which is a shame. Um, I think first game of the season would have been a great opportunity for everybody to get kitted out in their Spurs gear um, if that was there. But um, again, you know, things they've got to discuss with Leighton Orient and work out how they can do those things. Yes, I also heard a rumour that you can't get chips in the season tickets end, which um, if that's true, I'm going to be very yeah. upset when we get to the winter games. No, the, the food in the season ticket area is, is, is mostly baguette based, it would appear. Cold baguettes and hot baguettes, but that's about it. So, yeah, there was a lot of lustful glances towards the non-season ticket holders who had um, hot dogs and fries and and also um, pies and that were gluten free and uh, vegan and things like that which uh, were certainly vegan they had in the non-season ticket area where the one of the women in front of me was escorted by a steward all the way into the non-season ticket holder zone so that she could get herself a, a pie that she could eat and then came all the way back again and she was somewhat out of breath by the time she got back to her seat <laughs> I feel like I need to have a food allergy that requires that I eat chips so that I can get escorted <laughs> to eat chips um, yes, that, that's the way forward one of the big changes with being at Brisbane Road is we were also sitting on the same side as the dugouts. And so we were much closer to the to the managers, to all of the support staff and to the players warming up throughout the game. And at the start of the game, we also had the players turn towards us, you know, when they came out onto the pitch. And it did feel, I think, for me at least, that we were much more sort of in the game Otherwise, those sorts of things were all happening across the pitch and we had never really got to hear what Rianne was saying and she was really shouting. This time I did get to hear her shouting occasionally. Um, and we'll come to what she was shouting later on. Um, but yeah, that was, I think, it made it more, I don't know, it definitely added to the sort of value of being there in person. Okay, so the game. What were your expectations before the game coming into this one? I think I was just expecting to see a lot more of the same attacking intent that we'd shown against Reading. You know, with this being a newly promoted team, albeit one that's, you know, been in the league before. um, You know, this was definitely a game where we wanted to take it to them, uh, especially with it being the home game as well. I was expecting us to to score a few goals for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, well, as the season's developed, I think we'd probably grown a little more hopeful about this game obviously Liverpool having the stunning result first game of the season and beating Chelsea but then subsequently finding it a little bit more difficult in the Super League so made us more hopeful uh, and certainly one of those games that we needed to be getting three points again I would have liked to see us scoring more goals and taking more opportunities but that is the record that we are playing every week at the moment. Indeed so we had a much more attacking lineup. Um we had 
Tinny Coppella in for Becky Spencer in goal. And then we had Asmita Ale, Shalina Zadorsky, Molly Bartrip and Amy Turner in the back four. We had um, as defensive midfield, Angarad James and Evelina Sumanum. And then we had a sort of uh, attacking line of Ashley Neville, Drew Spence and Celine Bizet with Nikola Karczewska at the front playing a sort of striker. There was a lot of movement there, especially between Drew and Nicola, who were sometimes substituting positions, I thought. But um, yeah, what did you think about the lineup when you saw it? Well, I understand that Becky had a knock during the week. So whether that was a whether she was going to come in or not, given the normal rotation, or whether Tinny coming in was a, a response to Becky having a knock, although obviously she was on the bench and warming up, so was capable of playing, but just protecting her with that knock. And I heard as well that Ash Neville had been unwell during the week, so um, was a little bit concerned before the game with those kind of pieces of information coming through, but. Um, Ash looked like she was all right and Tinny um, doing Tinny things in golf. I mean, she didn't have too much to do in golf, to be fair, I don't think. But um, what she did, she did well. Uh, interesting to see Ash being pushed up um, quite so far forward. I mean, she really was, you know, an attacking player in this game, which, again, is, I think, a, a result of injury, which is interesting when you think about the shortage we've been talking about in defence over the last few weeks to then need Ash to be pushed forward to midfield because of injuries there. So it's a bit of a worrying sign maybe about the injuries that we've got, although Rianne was trying to be um, optimistic and cheerful about things in the pre-match press conference. I think the reality is we've still got a lot of problems injury-wise that we're going to need to resolve. Yeah, because there was only five people on the bench at the start of the game um one of those was Gracie Pierce who is yet to start or even come in for Spurs so and one of them was Becky Spencer so there was essentially another three players who were likely to come on at some point um and all did (laughs) so uh, Caroline how about you when you first saw that lineup what were you thinking I was really happy with the lineup uh, because like you said it it felt like it was going to be a very attacking lineup and it was nice to see Corpilla get her first start of the season. I think she did pretty well. Um, I think she only ended up having to make three saves, but, you know, she did everything that was required of her. It was great to get a clean sheet because um, I feel like that's becoming a lot harder to do in the WSL this season with, you know, so many fresh attackers being brought into the league. But yeah, the I feel like Ash worked really well up in the forward line as sort of the the other flank to Celine. Um, they seem to be developing a good partnership also. And then it just gives, you know, Nikki that freedom to really play the striker role. And um, yeah, so I had no complaints. The, the bench is still a concern. I, the good thing is that we're going to have Chi coming back into the, the squad next game. And hopefully, you know, some of those players that we've heard are, on restricted minutes um, are going to start filtering back into the side soon. Yeah, definitely would be good to have some more options. Um, just as we're starting with um, Tinny, I was, I thought, I mean, I've been waiting for Tinny to come back. I love Tinny. I think she had a few slightly wobbly moments there where she, there was a couple of times where she punched the ball out where it might've just calmed things down if she'd have caught it. She obviously, she's very good. I mean, she has this really impressive ability to distribute the ball very fast by rolling it out or throwing it out. She's a very different style to Becky. And she did that well. I think her distribution from goal was really good. But there were certainly a few times in the second half. And I guess I'm jumping ahead to the second half where I was less convinced by her than I expected to do it be. And maybe that's just because she hasn't played now for quite a few games. Yeah, I think it probably is just down to not having the game time recently. Because we didn't see her a whole lot in preseason either, I felt like. Um, but, you know, that'll that'll come with time. And it is a, a benefit to our team that we do have two keepers who are, you know, pretty equal in talent. So if one player is nursing a knock, we don't have to risk them. Second half is a second half, isn't it? And there's a whole lot to be said about a second half of Spurs women at the moment. Um, and, I, you know, I think... If I mean, I think however good you are, if you're playing in a team who are struggling in that period of the game, if you're the keeper, then you're that much more in the spotlight, aren't you? And if if everybody around you feels like they're struggling a lot more, you're going to be more nervous. You might have those moments, and the 
the good thing is that those things didn't lead to us conceding. So from that perspective, you know, Tinny did her job. And I mean, we've seen Becky be indecisive and, and make a few mistakes in recent games as well. So I think as, as per last season, I don't think there's much to choose between the two of them in terms of quality when when either game um you, you throw one in one of them in and you're gonna get a fairly similar level of performance and hope you know hopefully they can they can start to get a little bit more confidence and a little and and eradicate some of those moments as we go into the season. Okay, so we started at the back, but actually the first half was all about going forwards, wasn't it? The first half was Probably I'd say the most impressive attacking half of football I've seen from Spurs women this season, in including the preseason. Um, so what was going right? What were we doing well? Which combinations were working for you? What do we have to learn from that half of football? Difficult, isn't it? I mean, I think um I mean I'm not sure that um Nikki had as good a game as she had the previous week. Um I didn't feel like she was as involved as she had been. Um I think Celine was maybe um, working on partnerships with other people, and it, I mean, and I think the fact that it was a a an own goal um, that was the difference in the end kind of shows you kind of yes, we were going forward, we're doing a bit more, but it still wasn't necessarily um, as clean as we might like it to be, and as organised, we're still finding our feet in that respect. Um, and and it, no disrespect, you know, Liverpool are a newly promoted side so they're finding their feet in the in the league um it, it is that worrying transition into the second half where teams kind of seem to work out how we're playing in the first half and then um come back strongly in the second half and and pin us back when we find ourselves defending it um you know and and sitting there with our I wasn't quite as worried in this game I think as I have been in others but that trend is still there of being in the second half going this is where we should have scored those goals. Um, We're going to get course, to the second half. I'm yeah. pausing you there. I want us to stay on the positives of the first half first. Well, I think the the main positive for me right now is that it feels like the midfield has finally started to gel. Because I know in the first few games, we were kind of feeling like Drew Spence wasn't sure where she was fitting in. You know, Evelina was kind of being placed in different positions and not able to get into her own game. Uh, but now I feel like they all know what their role is in the in the midfield three. And especially with Drew, she's been given a lot more freedom to attack thanks to having Engrad as sort of that more defensive, you know, stalwart at the back. And I like that she's continuing to take shots. You know, you mentioned that she and Ash both hit the woodwork. And, you know, if we had been a little more lucky, those shots would have been a couple more worldy goals <laughs> to add to our tally this season. Uh, but I like that they're taking shots. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be upset about that. And hopefully they'll continue to get those looks. Um, and the same goes for, you know, Celine. I think she had another very strong game and really showed why she's already solidified herself as one of our, our starters for the forward line. I think uh, Evelina certainly had a, a second good game you know, um, winning all the headers she went for and, mm-hmm. you know, really being dominant in that defensive midfield position. So I think we, we're we all excited to see the the Evelina that we saw from last season back again, having had a slow start to the season, probably because she was being asked mm-hmm. to play in unfamiliar positions and having had not a great summer in the Euros. Um, she's, she's back and she's um, playing really well, which is great to see. Yeah, and I have to say that I think the combination of Evelina and Haz as our defensive midfield makes so much sense. I didn't like the um, Haz or Angerad um, Drew combination at defensive midfield. And by the end of this game, which I said we weren't going to get to yet, it had gone back to that. And I think that's one of our problems. But I think that that combination of um, Evelina and um, Angerad is really good. And it gives Drew that opportunity to get forward, which I think she's... She is a less reliable defensive midfielder. So her going mm-hmm. forward makes more sense. She she means she can be more creative and she set up a lot of our chances. She was playing balls, um, diagonal balls, both to Celine, but especially to Ash that were really good. She was combining as well with Evelina. As you said, I think Evelina had a great game. 
Um, and this was the first time where I actually thought Drew is going to really consistently bring something to the team. I have not been a full Drew fan up until this game. And this was the one where I was sold on her. So um, that was good for me. And I think it was because she didn't have to do that defensive work, which I don't think I trust her to do for a full game. Or it just doesn't fit her style, what Rianne's asking that as a player in that position to do. I also thought we saw, I don't, I would, We've mentioned before, we mentioned at the start that Ash went forward this game. What do you think that brought to the to how we played? How did that change the way that Spurs were playing? Well, I mean, I think she's uh, she's played there before. We've seen her play there before. This was, uh, I mean, I think this was even more of a pushing forward than we have seen in the past. Um, and she certainly, you know, well, we've seen this season that she's obviously our leading goal scorer at the moment. And uh, she certainly can score. We've known that for, for some time. Uh, so I think, but I think also um, she understands kind of where the fullbacks and the wingback kind of role is. And so she has that understanding moving forward. And she's been working closely, I think, for a couple of seasons, switching around those roles and, and also playing on both sides. So she's got a good understanding of, of the other players on the pitch and the positions that they're in. I mean, and it's just that desire that she has to get forward and to to try and make something happen. And and she's not shy of taking a shot, which I think we have been guilty of earlier on in the season. Other other players have been a bit guilty of not wanting to take the shot. So having somebody like her up there with the opportunity is great because it means she's got the opportunity to take the shots and she will take them. Yeah, I think that's a good point that because she has played in different positions, she has a really good understanding of where everyone is supposed to be on the pitch and just creating those link-ups throughout the forward line and with the wing backs. And, you know, I think in, in the past season, we saw her really having some great crosses as well as her shots. So I would expect her to start getting some assists pretty soon as well. If we can get those players in the box. That is the key. Yes. <laughs> I mean, she definitely had a couple of crosses in this game. Um, there were some, yeah, some really nice ones. A couple of them that Nicola either got on the end of but didn't quite manage to get into the uh, into the goal or that just missed Nicola or so there mm-hmm. she was definitely getting some crosses in and I felt like that was happening at a much you know we had much more many more crosses into the box than we usually would have um there was also a very lovely little passing combination which I don't know if you guys spotted I think it was unmissable really with her and Asmita on the wing where she got the ball and played it into space which Asmita ran onto and passed it back and it was just this lovely one too between them where they really understood where each other were and that was something that ended up with um I can't remember who which player got a shot on goal as a product of that move but it was things like that you were seeing happening I think Okay, so how are we feeling at halftime? Optimistic? Yeah, definitely optimistic. You know, I was expecting us to score some more goals in the second half, and I wasn't feeling concerned about Liverpool because up until that point, they they had really not shown any sort of impetus to attack. Um, So I think we (laughs) saw a slightly different second half than we were expecting, but I I was not feeling uh, concerned. Yeah, I think um, you're always a bit nervous at 1-0. particularly with Spurs. Uh, but uh, as you say, you know, Liverpool hadn't shown a great deal. I don't think Tinney had had anything to do in the first half. Uh, so you didn't, it, it felt less worrying at half time than it might have done. That changed a little bit later on. But I, I think probably at half time, we were fairly similar to where we have been most of the season, with the exception of um, the NLD, where we were kind of like, okay, right now, let's push on, let's get some goals, let's show them what we can do. Um, and unfortunately, once again, <laughs> the team declined their offer. So what is going on? I mean, this is, as you said, it's three games in a row where we have been had very dominant in the first half and have just found it really difficult in the second half against Leicester, against Reading and this time at home against Liverpool. I was that I was joking someone that I would like a season ticket where I just got to see the first half of Spurs women and the second half of Spurs men and that way I would see all the goals of the whole season pretty much um but it is frustrating what's going on is it just tired legs I mean is it the substitutes is it that people as Sean said before are discovering working out how to defend against us and coming back with a plan to change things in the second half what's going on I think it's probably a mixture of, of a lot of that because we have got players who are playing on limited minutes 
So we know there are going to be changes at some point in the second half, which does mean, you know, normally at this point of the season, you're, you're just kind of bedding in that the way that you play. Um, and we haven't been able to play 90 minutes in with, you know, with the kind of first choice team and, and letting them all have 90 minutes and just and go for it. Um, so we have had to change it. And I think that is hampering us because we haven't had the, the time to, to bed in with the changes in personnel that we've got. Um, I think there's probably a little bit of fitness stuff in there as well. Um, and I do think there's a little bit of the other teams have chosen, have made a deliberate choice, I think, particularly Leicester and, and Liverpool, to start off in a more kind of sitting back and watching how we play. And then second half, changing how they play. And, and we've not been able to counter that. Yeah, I would agree. I think our conditioning is just not at the same level it was last season. Because um, I feel like last year, our second halves tended to be, if not stronger than our first halves, at least at the same you know, standard. And because we have so many players who are on limited minutes, like for example, we didn't get to see LA Brazil or Jess Naz until I think it was the 80th minute they came on. And you know, you you would expect them to provide a lot of pace and fresh legs as subs. And I think we saw a little bit of that, but it was kind of a you know too little, too late situation. But with Liverpool in, in the second half, I think they had made this conscious decision to bring on um, I think her name's Megan Campbell that has the really superb long throw in and you know that that was their tactic they used it over and over and over and it was kind of that we just had to weather that storm of set pieces which I think the team did a really good job of like the defense was so solid part of that was Tinny you know making her saves but also um, some great blocks and interceptions in there as well but at that point you know our offensive game had kind of switched to making those counterattacks. And that's when you really need Jess and Ellie um, with their pace. So it would have been nice to see them just a little bit earlier, but I don't think that was a realistic possibility with them coming back from injury and having to be a little more cautious. Yeah. So as you said, Jess and Ellie came on quite late in the game, a little bit earlier, we had Cho um, so Yun coming on, she came on for Angarad James and that meant that Drew Spence dropped back. Cho was playing further forward. Um, so again, we also lost that sort of what I was thinking that defensive um, midfield pairing uh, with and Drew was now part of it. And Cho, as we've said in previous games, is, you know, she's got a lot of pace, she's got a lot of run- running, a lot of energy. She'll be intercepting things, but she's not the player who's going to make the um necessarily best or most incisive passers so that probably also did something in our midfield Sean did you have any other thoughts about our substitutes and what they brought or didn't bring in this game yeah I mean I think just what you said really I mean if Jess and Ellie didn't have time really with 10 minutes you've not really got time to make an impact on the game um in the way that you'd want and the way that Jess in particular operates is you know she didn't have time to get into the game and to start making those runs that she likes to make. You know, she does tend to be somebody who needs a bit more time to kind of work her way into the game, to to find those runs and to go on a bit of a marauding run towards goal. Um, if we're going to see something from her, um, Ellie is still, I think, you know, finding her way in the team. She's not had so many minutes. She was injured. We know for a lot of last season and things. So um, it's, it's still a case of, you know, as I say, we, we've not really had a team that have played 90 minutes consistently, but equally the substitutes haven't had a great deal of time on the pitch either. So they haven't kind of had their chance to to work their way in. Yeah, I'm still, I mean, I'm still not sold on show, to be fair. I know she had, a, everybody enjoyed her last appearance, but um, again, when she came on, I don't know that she was able to make much of a difference and we were... I mean, we were pinned back and the trouble is as well with, with Cho, I tend to think that some of her, you know, as you say, her passing isn't the best, her accuracy and um, her ball control sometimes, you know, whether that's because the pass has been strong or just because she's not got the ball control, she does often seem to find herself the player that's receiving the ball that then gets taken back again. I mean, it definitely seemed like there were lots of players who were potential candidates to be substituted just because they seemed like they were slowing down um, or that they'd had, you know, minor injuries. So Evelina was um, had to be, go off um, minorly injured for a while, but she actually didn't get substituted. Celine, who was really impactful in the first half, was definitely not at the same pace in the second half. And she did get substituted, but 
very late in the day and that was by Jess. Um, Drew didn't get substituted, but perhaps was slowing down as well. Um, when Cho came on for Angered, I was guessing that might have been because she had been very busy in the international break, playing two 120-minute games because both of Wales games had gone to extra time. Um, but it, yeah, it did. It, you could tell that some of the players on the pitch were perhaps slowing, um, and we didn't have enough options on the bench to substitute maybe as many players as it would have been ideal to substitute all the players the specific players that we might have wanted to substitute. So definitely need a deeper bench. Just to follow up on something that Caroline had said earlier about um, all of those long throws and all of the set pieces that this game we did successfully defend. Is this a sea change? Are we getting to the point where we can defend set pieces? Um, definitely Shalina Zadorsky had a good game. I mean, is this was the back line generally um, managing those better? I think so. Uh, it feels like Amy Turner especially has settled in now and the defense is actually working as a unit again. Uh, so that's an encouraging sign. And if this is a team that, you know, they kind of rely on set pieces often to get back into games. So if we're able to defend their set pieces, that feels like a good sign to me. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a work in progress, isn't it? But it's a good start. It's a good sign, I think, to keep a clean sheet, um, particularly as we seem to still be incapable of scoring more goals um but uh yeah good good sign and I think you know starting to see Molly and Shalina back to to where they were last season um and Amy starting to fit in and um I mean you do have the problem of course that when Ash is playing further up the field um and the team needs to defend <laughs> she will come back and defend and she she was getting in there defensively again um which does limit then again your options going forward because you've got one of your attacking players helping the defence. So it's a positive note in the sense that dig, everybody digging in and making sure we didn't concede that goal, but then obviously limits our options for building that cushion. So it's a gives with one and takes away with another that. But it, in, but it is good, great to have Ash there and to have her being able to come back and support the defence because, as we know, um, her, you know, her tackles are immaculate and she... Uh, her timing is excellent so she can and she will run the length of the pitch to come and make one of those tackles and still get it spot on okay are there any other things that you noticed in this game that you want to mention about it are there who was your player of the match I think player of the match was Celine just because I've been so impressed with how quickly she has made herself kind of integral to the offense she she just brings something a little bit different I think um than Rosella which of course we want her to get well soon, but <laughs> yeah, I've, grass, I've been very on the grass. She's back. Yeah. Apparently back in training, which I, I was kind of shocked by. I thought it would be a little bit longer. It's only um, supposed but... to be four weeks that she was out, I think. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. But having another option again will be good. But in the meantime, I, I think Celine, like I said, has kind of put her stamp on that right wing position and made it hers. Um, I also wanted to give a little shout out to Asmita Ale, um, <laughs> as I always do. Because I just think she's shown so much maturity this season. Like it really feels like she's getting up to that next level of her game. And one of the things I appreciate about her is that she's very proactive as a player, as opposed to being reactive. Like she's always trying to get us back into possession, back on offense. You know, she's, she's strong defensively, but I think she always has a mind towards, you know, getting us back on the attack. So I really like seeing that from her. Well, since our poll was split between uh, uh, <laughs> two players, I'll go for the other player and Ashnev. And and just, I mean, you just once again, you know, playing in a, a, a different position again, um, as we've already spoken about, improving the play in that area, um, but still coming back and playing defensively when need, need to be uh, everywhere on the pitch. And added to that, after a week of her not being 100%, uh, is is great to see, and after you know, after she's when she's also been nominated now for the um, Football Supporters Association um, Player of uh, Player Award. So make sure you go and vote for Ash in that one. Um, she's up against some of the Lionesses and Sam Kerr. So um, big ask, but it is a it is a public vote, so we can make it happen. Yes, get voting, everyone. Ashnev for the uh, Player of the Year for the FSA Awards. Um, we will tweet out a link for anybody who hasn't yet seen it. Um, 
yeah, I have to say, if I had come to this game cold and I had never seen Spurs women before, I would probably, well, I would undoubtedly say Ash was my player of the of the game. Um, if I'd only watched the first half, I might have said it was Celine because I thought she was amazing in the first half. Given sort of where we are and that I have seen games before, for me, it was Drew because she was the player who, for the first time, I saw what she was going to bring. And I thought she really made a massive difference in terms of... Um, finding players with her passing her three balls were really spot on this game and she didn't sort of she didn't seem to give up in the way that she had previously when she lost the ball I saw her fighting to get it back so I think I would go for Drew which you know definitely I mean it's obviously gonna be yeah I mean it's it's good to pick Ash every week (laughs) (laughs) but it's good to see that there are other players who are are, who are standing out now and um are drawing our attention as well um uh, it, it's hard to look past Ash just because of the way she plays and the the spirit that she plays with. Um, and she, yeah, talk, and, and this actually this coming weekend will be her fiftieth um, appearance for Spurs women. So that's pretty amazing. Um, and that when you think about the fact as well that there was like half a season that we didn't play because of COVID. Um, so it would have been more, but um, big weekend for Ash this weekend. Okay, so everybody get down to Brisbane Road, celebrate with Ash, celebrate with Ash and a win, ideally. Um, We're going to get onto that in a minute. But this week, elsewhere in the WSL, we saw Aston Villa um, in a very fractious game, lose to West Ham 2-1 with Sissoko getting a red card and the West Ham manager, Paul Koncheski, also getting a red card. Manchester United then beat Brighton 4-0, their second 4-0 of the season, which means that they are top of the WSL on goal difference, one goal more than Arsenal. Mm. Everton lost to Chelsea 3-1. Manchester City got their first victory, beating Leicester 4-0 at home, something perhaps we want to be a little bit wary about since that's our next opponent. Um, And Reading narrowly lost to Arsenal who struggled to win 1-0 um, with their goalkeeper being named player of the match which shows just how much under the cosh Arsenal were and what they had to do in order to secure that win unfortunately they've gone on since then to uh, beat Leon 5-1 but let's ignore that um, it makes me feel better that not Barcelona won 9-0 so you know there are other teams with winning with bigger margins <laughs> Okay, so all of that means that Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea are on nine points, but with Arsenal, Manchester United have a game in hand because Chelsea have lost one of their games already. Spurs are on six points with Villa, Everton and West Ham. The good news for Spurs is that both us and Villa have a game in hand. The bad news is that we have got the worst goal difference of those four teams at the moment. And so we're currently seventh, but a couple of wins would quickly jump us up the table. Finally, we've got Manchester City, Liverpool and Brighton all on three points and Leicester and Reading still without a point. Weirdly, there have been no draws yet in the WSL. So everybody is on a multiple of three. Okay, so thoughts on any of the other games this weekend and what they mean for the table, for us, anything. Did you catch any of it? Didn't really see any of the action, but just the the scores themselves are interesting, I think. Um, I mean, obviously... Everybody was talking about Villa before this game. West Ham have now uh, beaten them and and people are now talking about West Ham uh, and how well they're going to do this season. So I think that's going to, those two teams are the, the teams we're going to need to be watching very carefully this season. I think they are likely to be the ones that are challenging us in that best of the rest kind of a section. Brighton obviously losing to Man United. It is Man United, but Brighton not looking this, this season anything like the team they have been. Um, which we kind of suspected, I think, with looking at their squad, the, the players that they lost and the lack of players coming in. Chelsea are Chelsea, aren't they? They're uh, going to stride on as always, although I do, I am interested to see how they cope with Emma Hayes. Obviously, being unwell and being away from the team, we all wish Emma Hayes um, a speedy recovery, but it will be interesting to see how Chelsea um, do in her absence. Manchester City is an interesting one. Um, I know the Manchester City fans that I know uh, um, are of the opinion they're just giving Man United an even longer lead-in so that they can go and beat them, finish above them again with even longer of a a lead-in. But um, that may just be their uh, wishful thinking. I think they're going to struggle more with that this season. I think So I think our, our game will be a really big game against Manchester City to see, I mean, 
we have a history with them now. So after last season's, uh, uh, shall we say, interesting victory um, at their ground, uh, it's going to be a really big game this weekend, I think. And um, Leicester are looking more and more like the team who are going to struggle this season. Um, although Reading are, are are up there too, but they did well against Arsenal. And um, maybe we're starting to see Reading come back to the team that they used to be. But uh, yeah, really some cats in amongst the pigeons, I think, with those results. Yeah, I didn't get to uh, catch any of the other games. Had a really hectic weekend, but I was kind of keeping up, you know, on Twitter. And of course, everyone was talking about Sissoko's red card and that whole dust up in the Villa West Ham game. But I, I also thought the interesting incident from that match was the disagreement between Alicia Lehmann and Rachel Daly over who was going to take their penalty. Um, and I think that must be kind of a fallout from the penalty shootout they had in the cup where I, I want to say they both missed their penalties. So that's kind of an interesting uh, personnel well, Paul, situation for them. Paula Ward was not happy, was she? <laughs> she was and, not happy. And, and her, think... yeah, she, she had her press conference. I think it was this morning um, for their next game and was like, yeah, that's not happening again. So she's Which is interesting because everybody's been praising Lehman for her, the way she's played this season, talking about how, much mm-hmm. improved she is this season um and and you can't help but wondering you know how this will then affect affect that kind of the the relationship between her and daily and between her and the manager and you know if if she yeah. wants to take the penalty um clearly she, the manager doesn't think she should be taking it so that's i mean how will that affect the team moving they've been doing really well so far will that kind of disarm right. start to affect it with the with united you know i was kind of thinking to myself are they potentially going to be title challengers this season since they've been playing so well but you know looking at their fixture schedule they don't really have a serious test until they play chelsea on the 6th of november so i think it's probably too early to say for them and with arsenal i i think they probably just had half a mind on that champions league game and obviously it paid off because they completely embarrassed Leon. <laughs> I mean I think Arsenal have interestingly um lost both of their center backs and mm-hmm. so one of the things was that was the first game that they were playing with a new center back pairing so they no longer have um um Rafael Souza or um yeah. or um Leah Williamson who they relied on very much and what we saw last season is the dip in their form in the WSL coincided with when Leah Williamson was out of the squad so it is I guess at least a chink in their armour and too late for us to take advantage of (laughs) too late for us I know frustratingly badly timed but yeah that might be part of it as well and so that pairing was obviously played for the first time against Reading and then came in against um uh, Leon last night yeah okay so what are our predictions then for next weekend's game this weekend's game I guess it's coming very fast Manchester City at home it's going to be at 11 30 on Saturday so an early start for anyone who's going to the game live and even earlier start for people in America who are watching it on TV what are we thinking Man City at home scores putting you on the hot seat Caroline what do you think yeah I'm going to be really bold and say I think we're going to win 2-1 again nice do I need to back this up with my uh, reasoning or? <laughs> I mean, a bit of random logic is always fun to hear. Go for it. I, I just think this is a team that cities still don't have the same sort of like prestige and aura about them as Chelsea and Arsenal. And I think that the reason we were able to get, you know, a result last season and hold them, I think it was to just two goals last season in in league play, at least, is that we don't show them too much respect and I'm hoping that's going to continue, especially with it being our home game. We need to take the game to them. You know, I, I don't want to see us sitting back and just like settling for, you know, it's a draw or yeah, we need to go for it. Yeah. My worry is that we will do is And was it Ash who was being interviewed and talking about the weekend coming up and sort of saying, we know that they're going to, you know, unlike Liverpool, Man City will come out and play. Um, and my worry is that we then do what we did against Arsenal, which is we sit back and we defend for the first half and try to stay in it for the first half. And that's not, I think, when we play our best football. One and two, I don't think we need to show that kind of... I mean, I don't think we needed to show that kind of 
respect to Arsenal. Um, mm. I certainly don't think we need to be playing that way against Manchester City. So I'm hoping we'll come out and we'll play. I don't I don't think it's going to be a hugely high scoring game, probably. I don't think we're in a place where we're scoring lots of goals. So I think, you know, I would like to think a 2-1 win would be where we'd be at. Um, maybe a 1-0 win just to keep on trend um but i'm 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 hoping we can get something out of the game um and as i say as you know it's a home game we need to be taking the game to them uh i think you know Leicester are as we know that Leicester are, are not as bad a side as people thought they were going to be but they're equally they are down at the bottom of the table and we should be doing better than they did against city so take the game to them i mean they've still got some injuries as well alana kennedy i think is still out with injury and things um watch out for bunny shore and we should be all right okay i you see i feel like there's going to be goals i <laughs> i just i i have this vision of us like i i guess it's a sort of like partly hopeful vision i want us to dominate the first half and score but then i have a feel like they're going to come back in the second half and sc- so i'm thinking to all maybe um I'm worried it's going to be something like 2-3 where they come back and really do start scoring a lot. I remember Lauren Hemp tormenting us in the Quanti Cup. I love Lauren Hemp. She is probably my favourite player outside of Spurs players, but oh, it's going to be painful to watch her. Well, one thing I was thinking about is that it might be a good game for Ash to come back into either like a wing back or centre back, you know, outer centre back position. Just because I, I think we could use a little extra help from her in terms of like shutting down Lauren Hemp um, and their and their other forwards as well are really strong. So I think we can we can win this game if we can win the midfield battle and just make sure that we're containing their wingers as well. Well, let's hope that uh, James then gets a, a full. 90 minutes if the yes. midfield is where the game is going to be won. Let's hope she gets her first proper full game for us. And Evelina is on form as she has been. No reasons to suspect she's not going to have a great game. So, and it, yeah, hopefully if we're, we're leading in that direction, we're starting to get that control, Caroline, as you said, against mm-hmm. Liverpool. If we can continue that. Um, uh, and, you know, we've still got Keris Harrop to come back, of course, who is out on the grass as well, training now. So, Hopefully that won't be too long either, probably too early this game. But we've got, you know, if, if we can get a decent result against City, then it's going to be a really, uh, it's, we're going to be in a good place, I think. Yeah, it would definitely be a massive boost. I mean, I have, I think that I would rather see a starting lineup are pretty much like the one against Liverpool. I would, I am actually very happy for Ash to be going forward on the basis that offense is the best form of defense in these, some of these games. And I'm also would be really worried about us going back to a back five, because I think that would mean that we would have too little in midfield. I, having those players, having both defensive midfield and then having drew in front of um, behind Karcheska, I think made a big difference. It meant that we had a bit more control, but I don't know. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough one, definitely. Okay, so we've got a few listener questions. So I'm going to start with one that's definitely a tough one. Bill asks, if all our attackers are fit, what's the best best possible front three? Uh, I'll start with Sean on this one. What are your picks? Best front three? Well, I mean, I think you've got to you've got to put Nifler and a Celine in there, haven't you? Those two are your definitely first choice. I think then probably probably Jess if she's fit up there as well, and then um, as a front three, um, I think I think probably that would be what I where I go for. Yeah, I I also had Nikki and Celine as my two that I definitely wanted in there, and then I was wavering between Jess or Ash. Um, and again, I think it kind of depends on like per game where do you need ash the most um but i think when jess is full fit she's probably my starter for left wing yeah i i agree with you guys i think it's really interesting isn't it that like ash has become our contender for best <laughs> um, best attacker we've also got her obviously like you know if you were going to choose your perfect back line in the ideal world assuming that you had a front three that would be able to cope without her ash would probably also be in the back line um we, we okay. just need a cloner <laughs> that's it Eleven i don't know how she is in goal i'm, no, I'm feeling no. that's, that's probably in our position 10 ashes and and she and would give it a good go though 
Oh, I yeah. know that. <laughs> That's it. She definitely, you know what she'd be good at in goal is, you know, that, that thing where a goalkeeper saves it and then very quickly gets up and saves in from a completely different position, which is always one of those really amazing double save yes. feats. <laughs> I feel like she would be great at that because she's got very fast recovery. Um, she'll mm-hmm. switch position very fast. <laughs> Okay, so Ben asks, are we already seeing a reliance on has James despite her not catching the headlines? James not on pitch equals a complete collapse in our possession numbers. Or is this just a coincidence? Time for a bit of has love. Well, yeah, it's not a coincidence. <laughs> we we talked before in this episode about, you know, how important she is in the midfield. I do think you know, when we eventually see Rhea Percival back from injury, I think she could play in that same role very well. Um, but for the time being, yeah, I mean, and grad, she's got to start in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think again, once we've had maybe more, once other players have had more time, once we've had a bit of, once we've got fewer injuries and we've other players are getting a bit more time to find their way, I think we'll have less reliance on her, but for the time being, that seems to be the, that seems to be the the role that's working and the and the way that's working well that that partnership is is working well and, and leading to good results so for the time being i think we want to see her playing for 90 minutes please okay i mean in some ways it's a good thing then wales have uh, haven't got an extra qualifier for the world cup because that's one less international game um okay we've got a very specific question from michael so we're going to need some specific answers to this one, or we can just say, okay, I don't know. Um, he asks, there was that one attack in the last game where Ash Neville laid it off to Nicola, who immediately passed it back, and Neville fired against the crossbar. What should have happened instead, if anything? What should either or both of these women have done differently? Do either of you have an answer to, Michael? Yeah, I'm just going to echo what Sean always says, which is that we need more players in the box. Because I think in that moment, Ash needed another outlet um, besides Nikki, because she she had quite a few defenders around her. And um, having someone, I think, coming in, making a run into the left side part of the box um, would have been the better option. But at the same time, like I said earlier, I don't hate Ash taking that shot when she did. Um, it wasn't maybe the best look, but we, we've got to be taking more shots in general. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think anybody taking a shot is a good thing. And, you know, it wasn't exactly far off. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. that was a clanger against the bar, wasn't it? Um, so, and again, if you'd had somebody in the box and she'd done that, you know, who knows what would have happened with the with the loose ball at that point. Uh, so always more players in the box. But yeah, I'm never going to, you know, if she got it almost exactly, almost on target. So you can't complain about having a shot. And as we've said, we want to see more bravery in front of goal. We want to see more shots and, um, and and more goals. And the only way you're going to get more goals is take take the shot when you see it. I mean, this was a game when we had 18 shots. So there were definitely people taking shots, which is a good thing. Only scored one of them, but that's only going to improve. And if we have 18 shots in every game, I think I'd be happy with that. So excellent. Um, Sean asks, what about Grace Pierce? What does she have to do to get a minute? She's always smiling, warming up and good for the crowd post-match. So, Grace, um, she hasn't played for Spurs this season. Um, Last season, she was out on loan at Crystal Palace, Palace, I think. She did play quite regularly um, in the centre-back at Palace. We had, you know, reports that she was decent, but not sort of, not sort of player of the season or anything. but most of us haven't seen her play. So we don't know much about her. What do you think she's got to do to get a game? She was literally the only outfield player who did not get subbed on in this game. So it wouldn't surprise me if if she'll get game time against Southampton and Coventry. Um, mm-hmm. That's when we'll, when Rianne can actually kind of judge her a little bit more in game time and see how, see where she's at. I think for the time being, we're still, you know, we're still bedding in um, are experienced centre-backs. So you don't want to be giving up minutes for them for a younger player to be playing. Once once they've kind of worked out what the defensive situation is uh, uh, of choice, uh, and then maybe later on in games, they can rest people and give Gracie a chance if she's 
proved herself in the Conti Cup, but I would expect that the Conti Cup will, will be where we see her primarily this season. Yeah, I don't think it's any sort of statement against her quality as a player that she hasn't had any minutes yet. I think it's just that Rianne has been focused on making sure that her preferred starting defensive line or, you know, building that chemistry that was kind of lacking at the beginning of the season. And even with regards to the last match against Liverpool, you know, she was the only outfield player that didn't make it in. But we saw in that second half that we were kind of under the cosh with all those set pieces from Liverpool. And that's not a moment when you want to be taking out one of your center backs. So it's, yeah, I don't think it's anything to do with her actual talent. And I think we will see her in the cup games coming up. Yeah. And that is a reminder that last season we saw Molly play every minute of every game and Shalina played every minute of every game, except one when she was on international duty with Canada. So having a set centre-back pairing is something that Rianne is obviously looking for and in an ideal world going to keep with. She's on the bench partly because one of those could get injured and you need somebody else to come on in that case. Um, And so there's obviously a need to have defenders on the bench, but it's probably not the position in which you've got a really high chance of being substituted, except as you guys have said in the Conti Cup. Okay, so that's all our listener questions for today. If you have questions for us, um, send them to us by email or get in touch with us on Twitter at N17Women and we will be happy to at least try and answer them. How good our answers might be is up for question, but we will have a go. Before we finish, just wanted to highlight a few things that we'd talked about previously, which is around fan communications with the club and ironing out issues around season tickets, especially in the new um, stadium. Sean's been very involved in this as part of the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Club and also um, Proud Lily Whites. There were concerns ahead of the game that the club hadn't really got in touch with us very much about our seats in the stadium. So we only discovered where our seats were going to be when we went to pick up our season tickets, which was up to three hours before the game. And then still didn't really know exactly where they were until we walked into the stadium, which was a bit of a weird way to find out where you're sitting for the next um, rest of the season. Um So we didn't know what that would mean about whether we would be who we were going to be sitting with, how we would be allocated to particular seats. So while I ended up in a seat, which I have to admit, I was very happy with. It's pretty much exactly where I'd have chosen to sit if I could have chosen to sit somewhere. um, Sean ended up in this place where she didn't want to sit. So and that, you know completely randomly so my happiness and Sean's pissed offness about it all is was equally random um, and I'm sure that affected lots of other people we heard from people who were both pleased about where they were sitting and who were less pleased about where they were sitting but it's obviously something that they could have known about in advance and there might have been ways in which this could have been fixed um, there were other issues around sitting with non-season ticket holders so there is now a form that you can fill out if you want to sit with non-season ticket holders but it's quite a clunky form it requires a lot of information it's not something you can do um and buy a last minute ticket to the game because you have to have filled in this online form with all of your information about pre-booked tickets and we had a new issue that we didn't really think about ahead of time which is well I've got two new issues one issue is the chips which you know lack of access to chips is a massive issue for season ticket holders but the other issue is that the season ticket area is fenced off um, to keep us um, exclusive but that fencing off also means it's really hard for us for people in the season ticket area to get to the hoarding which is where players come at the end of the game and so it means it's just harder to have that really lovely um, WSL experience of talking to players after the game which many of us have really cherished so finally there's also issues around away ends and whether there is going to be away ends in the future and that hasn't been clarified with the club which obviously makes it harder for us when we're trying to ask for away ends from other clubs because they can say well your club doesn't do that so again it's this thing about reciprocity and trying to organize a good environment for both home fans and away fans Sean, what are your thoughts on this? What do you think the next steps are? What can the supporters club do? Well, I mean, there there are some things which are uh, particular to us as a club. And there are many things here which are we see replicated across the Super League. Uh, I was with the Football Sports Association yesterday up at Wembley doing the first structured dialogue meeting with the FA, uh, which is where fans get to talk to the people who run the game. 
and, and put their opinions across. And I have to say it, it was a very positive meeting and it felt like the fans and the FA are on the same page with a lot of these things. So that's really good news. Um, talking about Brisbane Road in terms of the season ticket held area, I mean, there are people, it would seem, who've been put in rows of seats who are directly behind the dugouts and um, could not see the game for the dugouts, so had to move. Luckily, not all the season ticket holders were there, so they moved a row back and then they could see. Um, but I think actually Becky Spencer got involved in that and, and helping them, you know, and suggesting for them to move back. Um, I, so obviously, there was a lack of... Um, of checking out of exactly what the seats were and that's something needs to be done about that I think because it's certainly not fair to have season ticket holders sat behind a dugout not being able to see the pitch um uh for my you know I prefer to sit close to the front and I sit with others who prefer to sit close to the front and we're gonna you know we can try and I mean I sat in my seat which was second row from the back and it's a beautiful view of the pitch I'm not saying it's not it's a lovely view of the pitch and in any other circumstances um, you know, I'd be very happy with that view, but I've come from a tradition in the women's game of being as close to the pitch as possible. I, you know, I used to go and watch the game at Chesson where you were literally, you know, a foot away from the line, I running up and down the line. So um, that is the tradition I've come from. And that's what we're used to in the women's game. And I'm sad not to be able to be that close um, at the stadium. And you do wonder with only 400 seats, why it wasn't possible for us to have some kind of choice over where we sat but we are where we are. Um, and I think, you know, I don't think the season ticket zone is going to be completely full um, at, at many points during the season. So we will have the opportunity to kind of try and sneak in closer down if we want to. But I do think a big issue is the lack of access to the players. Those of us who are diehard and hang around till right at the end did get to say hello to some of the players, but it wasn't the same as being able to hang around by the hoardings and, and have that opportunity early on. You know, we were, the stewards were trying to clear us out before the players had got anywhere near us. So, and as you say, that is a big part of the women's game. That's a big draw to the women's game. And yes, it is changing. And for us adults, it's perhaps becoming less of a less of a thing because now there's kids, we let them go first. But whilst we've still got a little bit of a window of being able to do that, it would be nice to be able to do that. And it does feel, that does feel like a... Um, a disadvantage for season ticket holders this season. So lots of things, but we are talking to the club about it. We are raising those points with the club. Uh, uh, obviously, it's early days with that. It's only the first week after the game. So we wait to hear back from them. Uh, and we're hoping that we're going to be able to put the flags up in positions where the fans can see them as well to, uh, to and also to help alleviate some of the red seating um and the proud lily whites are growing our collection of flags so we're going to have quite a few and hopefully the supporters club we will get um at least one flag going soon as well with our lovely new logo as designed by caroline um so there is lots still to come i think and there's lots of conversations to be had um and it, it did feel like a bit of a uh, a let down in some senses, arriving at a new ground, wanting to be excited and um, and hopeful and, and looking forward to the new season. And some of the things weren't quite how we'd want them to be. But um, we've got the opportunity to talk to the club and they're, they're pretty good about engaging with us. And hopefully that will continue. And as I say, we're now able to talk with the FA as well. Uh, about the larger issues and and talk with other team and you know talking to other fans yesterday as well you know they have the same frustrations that we do in many ways so we're working together and you know you don't very often see Chelsea fans and Spurs fans and Arsenal fans um sat around talking together happily but we were um at the box park on on Tuesday all sat around just discussing thing the, the issues that we've got and and things so yeah really you know lots lots to do but you expect that and the great game is growing and the fan base is growing and um you know as we do so there's going to be teething issues and problems and and all those kind of things but uh yeah it and you know again I think as well as fans we come in expecting a certain thing and it's not what we've got so we have to adjust our expectations and not just go with our gut reaction of oh my god this is terrible is it really um but certainly um chips we need chips 
We need chips. Okay, we're on a We Need Chips campaign. We are going to win this one. The club is going to give us chips access and hopefully also player access. So chips and player yeah. access, that's going to be, that can be the slogan. That's what we're campaigning on. Um, I think we're going to get it. Uh, I, I mean, like you said, there were lots of really good, there are lots of really positive things about it. I, it is an amazing view. There is, it's, the stadium is really steeply banked. So you get to have this really fantastic, you're very close up um, in terms of, sort of feeling very much on top of the pitch in a way that you didn't, feel at the hive um and that's really exciting it was also really nice to be sat close to lots of season ticket holders who you knew were season ticket holders you knew they were going to be there next week so you, you were sort of saying oh I'll see you next week and I think that is going to create more of a sense of community and I'm excited to see what that means for the Spurs fandom and how we can grow it um yeah but lots of work to do chips I feel like that's that is that is we're coming out of this maybe that's what Well, the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust managed to get Just Chips sold at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium when they weren't selling Just Chips before. So I'm sure we can get chips available in the season ticket holder area if we really try. I believe in you. (laughs) Something we're fighting for. At a time when politics has become so empty, it's good to have something to fight for. Okay, on that note, I think we're getting to the point where we have run out of things to say. Um, I will will just point out, obviously, that this weekend is the Rainbow Laces game. Um, So um, uh, in the programme, there's information about Rainbow Laces. uh, So uh, everybody in support of um, LGBTQ plus fans uh, this weekend, hopefully. And uh, the club are getting behind that. So hopefully that's going to be really good. uh, It's in the programme. Uh, and doing more than they have done previously. So at both the men's and the women's game, we're celebrating this weekend. Excellent. Thanks for adding that in. Um, And yes, hope to see lots of you face-to-face at Man City um, come to uh, Brisbane Road. And lots of the rest of you to watch online. There's also, as Sean said, tickets are available for our away game to both Chelsea via the Spurs Club and for our away game at Brighton, which is the one that comes sooner. That one you have to get in touch with Brighton in order to get the tickets for it. But there is an allocated away z- um, zone. So get your tickets in the correct area, which is block A, I think, and you'll be sat with us. Get your tickets. Not many people have yet. Get your tickets. Get your ticket. I don't think I have got my ticket yet. I'm going to get my ticket. Get your ticket. I'm going to get my Brighton ticket. Okay, everybody else, get your Brighton ticket. See you um, on Saturday, hopefully for another surprising victory. And in the meantime, we've been N17Women and you can find us on Twitter. Um, You can also email us. You can find that address on Twitter. (laughs) 